If I can have members of council please come to the council chambers. I didn't set out to cover city politics. Okay, we have quorum. In fact, I studied theater. This meeting is now resumed. It wasn't until events like the G20 and the 2010 mayoral race that I really started tuning into municipal issues. But the first time I actually went to City Hall for a story, I felt right at home. We hope, we would like, but we don't know. Because it is theater. Occasionally, it's like a courtroom drama with colleagues passionately arguing over the shape the city's going to take. More often than not, though, it is a total farce. Entertaining until you remember the stakes. There are plenty of city councillors with, let's call them eccentric agendas, who make oddball declarations you really have to hear to believe. Recently, Ward 7 Councillor Giorgio Mammoliti, a longtime incumbent, tried to convince his colleagues to vote against a provincially funded rapid transit line through his ward. His reasons are his own. Luckily for his residents, who the line would serve, his motion failed. But what's worse is the lack of representation. Of the 45 members, including the mayor, there is currently only one woman of color. As we head into a municipal election, a lot of attention is going to be paid to the mayoral race. But the mayor is only one vote. Real change can come from diversifying council and ousting some of the more unproductive incumbents. We have an opportunity to change the makeup of council and even elevate the discourse in council chambers. And there are people ready and willing to change the city for the better. So it's time we get to know the candidates. This is Spacing Radio. Broadcasting from the broom closet at 401 Richmond Street West, Toronto, Ontario, I'm Glenn Bowerman and you're listening to the official podcast of Spacing Magazine. Coming up on the show, I'm going to tell you a bit about Spacing's latest book, uh, 25 Toronto Transit Secrets, tell you the story behind a story I contributed to the project, as well as uh, give you a little preview of the new issue of the magazine. But first, with Toronto going to the polls this fall, we introduce you to Women Win TO, a volunteer organization aimed at increasing diversity on council. Since last spring, the group has been leading workshops to help women of all ethnicities, trans and gender non-conforming people, run successful campaigns. We speak to the group's co-chair, Hama Vyas, as well as municipal candidates Chiara Paravani and Amber Morley, and provincial candidate Suze Morrison, about Women Win Toronto, what they've learned, and the challenges they're preparing to tackle. Stand by. Hama, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Uh, can you tell me about your role with uh, Women Win TO? Sure. Uh, I am uh, the co-chair of Women Win Toronto. Uh, we started uh, about a year ago where uh, we planned and then did a call-out for applications in July. Um, thrilled about uh, the number of women and, and uh, the women who applied and said that they wanted to run for city council. Uh, we um, asked them to explain why they wanted to run, uh, what plans they, they had, and, and said that we would uh, run training sessions to help them prepare to translate the skills that they already have, which were pretty considerable. We have lawyers, community organizers, uh, to city council candidates. 
We asked them what their values were and, and uh, why they were running, why they thought people would vote for them. Um, and we wanted to find good people who knew who they were, who had progressive values. And uh, I think we did that. In terms of uh, their particular issues, I think it depends on the neighborhood they're running in and certainly why they came to politics. Okay, and and you're running this uh, in coordination. I think uh, Councillor Christian Wong Tam has been an essential part. Uh. Councillor Wong Tam has been an amazing champion, an amazing supporter, advisor. Uh, she was at the very first lunch. I, I had this idea uh, for Women Win Toronto after running for City Council uh, in Ward 18 Davenport uh, in 2010, and then helping out with some campaigns in uh, 2014, and uh, still being embarrassed. Uh, saying that we have one woman of color on city council, that less than a third of women, of councillors are women. I think that's embarrassing for an incredibly vibrant city like Toronto with so many talented people. So uh, I knew that uh, the women were out there, and they are. They're a phenomenal group of participants, uh, most uh, of whom are running. Right. And so, yeah, what, what did you learn in, the, uh, in that uh, 2010 election uh, running as a candidate yourself? I learned that uh, you already, we, so many of us already have the skills to be a strong city council candidate, that um, sometimes uh, there's this illusion that there's this box of things that uh, councillors or politicians or candidates have that you don't because there's so little education around how do you do this. But actually uh, learning um, who you need on a campaign team, learning um, how to speak as a candidate or, or what it feels like to be in the public uh, realm for the first time, those are skills that can be shared and that you take too easily from uh, I've been a volunteer, I've been sitting on boards, a researcher. So a lot of those things were already there and I had to learn how to adapt them. And in terms of like concrete uh, foundational skills that uh, you hope uh, these women take away from the workshop, uh, I imagine you're talking about things like uh, how to put a team together, how to door knock, how you know how how much how to budget. I assume things like that. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we had uh, monthly sessions the third Saturday of every month where uh, exactly we talked about uh, what roles do you need on a campaign team. Uh, there is a database where you collect uh, information just to uh, know whose door you've knocked on, to know uh, who's supporting you, how to do that, how to set that up, um, how to door knock. Uh, how to um, approach people in your community and talk about yourself as a candidate. Because so often we've been community organizers or um, lawyers or in our profession that we need to know how to translate that and, and how often people will, uh, the questions people will ask us uh, when we are candidates. Being a, a candidate can be very lonely. You can feel very alone, especially when you don't know what to do because you're doing it for the first time. And um, certainly when you're, you're racing against an incumbent, um, can be very intimidating. They do have a lot of recognition. The odds are against you. But uh, when you have uh, someone to call or people to call who are going through the same thing, you can lean on each other for advice. You can ask for resources. You can ask, you know, what are, what are, what are some debate questions in your neighborhood? Those are practical, but some of the emotional things, of course, when you're, when you're putting yourself out there as a public person for the first time, you, you need to talk about those issues and those things. And those formal networks exist with uh, so many people who are on council uh, through their family networks, through their professional networks. But really, uh, unfortunately, because there are so few women on council, not many women have those networks. So we wanted to build those. And uh, I'm thrilled at how far we've come. And so what's your takeaway from this? Oh, my God. 
gosh. Uh, it has been so exciting. Uh, a year ago, uh, we were literally sitting uh, around a table with pieces of paper and laptops and um, just wondering if this is going to work. It's, it uh, was an experiment. Uh, really, I mean, uh, we had every reason to believe we'd find the women, and we did. We had every reason to believe that uh, this, uh, we'd be able to take away so much from the sessions. We had uh, all but one women uh, experts came and generously volunteered their time to share their experiences and their skills. Um, we knew that uh, meeting monthly would give us a chance to get to know each other and to build that trust and build that foundation from which we could build uh, political futures and a political network. And uh, that's where we are right now. I feel uh, incredibly humbled by the women I'm surrounded with and incredibly excited for the future we're building. Kiara, hello. Uh, first of all, I'd like you uh, to tell me a little bit about how you got involved in Women Win TO. Sure. Well, I went to the, they had a, a panel of women in politics, and that was kind of served as their launch to recruit people. And I went there, and there was a panel of women that I have always admired, and I, I really respect what they've been bringing to municipal politics. And they were so encouraging and so supportive that when I found out about Women Win Toronto as an organization, I knew right away that I wanted to get involved and I wanted to be able to learn from the experiences of all of these women. I am very grateful to the organizers of Women in Toronto because there are so many barriers for women to get involved in politics and into electoral politics. So being able to have a group of supportive women who have been there, who have done it, um, is so, so invaluable. Uh, so you plan to uh, run in Ward 11. Uh, that word is um, York Southwestern. York Southwestern. I want to first give a shout out because this is my home and I love the neighborhood. I love the community. This is the community that has shaped who I am. It's a community that has, you know, sparked a passion for social justice in me that has led me to pursue a career in social work and international human rights work. And it all started there. And it started there because we are a community that, even though we face so many challenges, we're a community that has always stood up, rolled up our sleeves, and gotten to work to address them in a very, very grassroots way. Ward 11 is one of the poorest wards in the city of Toronto. It's made up almost entirely of what the city calls neighborhood improvement areas. Weston, Mount Dennis, Rockcliffe, Smythe uh, make up almost the entire ward. Uh, and those neighborhood improvement areas are categorized, categorized by the city of Toronto based on well-being indicators. So social, economic, income, employment, um, civic engagement, et cetera, et cetera. These are how the city is able to identify pockets and neighborhoods that should be given more services and more attention. And Ward 11 is almost entirely made up of parts identified that way by the city. Uh, so the York uh, Southwestern's representative currently is, uh, is Francis Nunziata. How do you uh, intend to run against uh, an incumbent? It's, it's tough to unseat. We are really, really ready for change. The status quo has not been working for us. Um, the, the neighborhood is facing a lot of the same challenges that we have been facing for the last couple of decades. And it's the responses of, of people at the door. And I keep one of the most exciting and encouraging things I hear at the door is I'm meeting my neighbors who are already doing such amazing work. And there are residents who are fighting for things. You know, there are so many local issues 
a recent example of that is 200 Rockcliffe Court, which was which is in the middle of the floodplain. So Ward 11 is is extremely high vulnerability for flooding. Um, part of that is because the stormwater management and the infrastructure to actually deal with runoff water isn't there and hasn't been updated for a very, very long time. But it's also because we're in the middle of the Black Creek Valley floodplain. And recently there was an issue that came forward and that the community found out, and we found out late. Um, a lot of times, a lot of these decisions are happening behind closed doors and, and community members don't get to hear about them. There's a real lack of community consultation. And when we found out that a piece of vacant land was being put for sale by the City of Toronto to sell and be developed, right in the middle of the Black Creek floodplain, the community was completely up in arms about it. And we were wondering why on earth, only five years after the 2013 flood, with families and homes being completely devastated, like Black Creek Boulevard became a river in 2013, you know? And instead of investing in and actually seeing new infrastructure being put in to prevent it from happening, we see this large parcel of land being sold for development right in the middle of the Black Creek floodplain. And this is going to impede the work that the Toronto and Region Conservation Authority needs to do to be able to mitigate flood flooding in the neighborhood. And this is in the middle of a neighborhood improvement area right across from the school. You know, these kinds of things, it's almost like it seems so obvious, you know, but it still needs to be a community fight. And people are tired of it. People are really, really ready for change. People are wondering, why, are we, why do we even have to fight this? This is bad policy. We deserve smart city planning in Ward 11 too, you know? So it is tough. It's tough to beat an incumbent. It's tough to unseat an incumbent. But we need, the next four years need to be, we need to decide what kind of neighborhood and what kind of community do we want to build. We need to have somebody with a vision that is going to say, the neighborhood and the community that we want to build is one that builds up everyone, that doesn't push people out, you know, that stays affordable, that increases affordability. And this is, this is a vision that needs to be defined this election. So this, next, this election is going to be crucial, it's going to be exciting, and of course it's going to be hard to beat an incumbent, but I do believe that the neighborhood is ready for somebody with a vision that is going to lift up the whole community. So, Amber, thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Happy to do so. Uh, you are running in Ward 6 uh, against Mark Grimes, Councillor Grimes. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about Etobicoke Lakeshore? Etobicoke Lakeshore is my lifelong home. It's a beautiful community. It's the southwesterly most uh, ward in, in Toronto, rather. Um, we're right up against the lake, and we've got five neighborhoods. We've got Alderwood, Long Branch, Mimico, New Toronto, and Humber Bay Shores, which is a new um, up-and-coming neighborhood with tons of development over the past few years. And what are some of the issues in uh, Etobicoke Lakeshore that really stand out to you? Uh, well... <laughs> Humber Bay Shores is one of the um, biggest issues right at the moment with respect to transit and um, future development there. There's a huge uh, site called the Christie site where there used to be... Um, cookies. Yeah, cookies, exactly. Um, so for many, many years, uh, that was the main employment lands uh, there right in the community. And so now it's been sold and 
the future of that site is up in the air, essentially. Um, so in addition to that, with all of the significant development in Humber Bay Shores, there's some uh, congestion <laughs> and transit-related challenges um, that have begun to plague the community, both Humber Bay Shores and going further west, just for folks trying to get into the downtown core. Um, so that's one of the main, main issues. Um, but mostly just maintaining our community character is really, really important to folks down in South Etobicoke. Um, we have a very communal um, neighborhood. Most of us, you know, go to school together, have gone to daycare together, and stay pretty tight-knit. Um, and so wanting to maintain that kind of characteristic uh, and feel uh, going forward with the planning decisions and, and development that happens. In terms of women, WinTO, uh, how did you get involved in this group? Um, so I actually worked at City Hall for five, since 2013 uh, as a council support staff so I got to learn a lot uh, my first boss was Peter Milchin who was the chair of planning and growth at the time so I got to learn a lot about the development process at the city it was an incredible uh, learning experience and um, I've gone on to work for a couple other councillors uh, in Etobicoke uh, in the years following so that uh, was my initial political uh, engagement um, after doing a lot of advocacy as a young person. Um, and so I'd been in touch with um, Councillor Wong Tam's office and a few other um, organizers. Uh, Black Vote Canada was another organization that I'd gotten engaged with over the summer months. And I learned about uh, the Women Win Teal program and what they were doing. So I was very eager to get engaged and involved. And so what are some of the takeaways that, you, you, that you've learned uh, during this process with Women Win? Uh, it's been incredible in terms of um, setting the framework for us to really know what we were getting ourselves into as candidates and especially as first-time candidates, as racialized women, um, as young women. It is, um, politics is not a space that's really been um, created for us to play in yet. And so we, having access to um, seasoned organizers and to proven people who've done it and, and done it well and won campaigns uh, in the past has been a real asset for me in terms of um, just the knowledge sharing, best practices, um, and again, knowing what we were, what we were getting into and, and how to go about it the best way to win. Uh, Councillor Grimes is a longtime incumbent, uh, difficult to unseat an incumbent. Uh, what's, what's your sort of pitch here? Let's say you're door knocking and, uh, you know, there's, you know, Mrs. Whoever has always voted for, for, yep. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's just about bringing change to the community. As you mentioned, the council's been in for a long time, since 2003. Um, we absolutely are ready for a change in Etobicoke Lakeshore. Um, having worked as a council support staff, I can see how um, exhausting um, and um, trying the job can be. Um, and so I, I believe in term limits. Uh, I think that it's important that we have a new leadership that comes in um, on a fairly regular basis in order to keep um, City Hall responsive to what's going on within community um, and to stay connected to the community voices uh, and the community's issues, which I, I understand can, can um, be a challenge after many, many years. Um, you speak about transit uh, going to be a, a major issue in that ward. Uh, what, what's the sort of... Uh what what kind of uh, transit issues are we looking at in Etobicoke Lakeshore? At this point, it's a lot of congestion uh, as a result of new development in Park Lawn and Lakeshore, in addition to um, ongoing construction with new tracks getting laid for the streetcar, um, the Humber Loop having been redone, which is right uh, close to the community and, and one of the hubs for transportation. Um, and then also the prioritization of the waterfront LRT, which was only just recently um, 
put back up to the top of the list. Um, and so we know we need that transit. We need it badly and we need to work collaboratively with all levels of government um, and, uh, and various agencies, including both Metrolinx and TTC, in order to make, you know, bring more efficient, regular, uh, reliable transit into Etobicoke Lakeshore so people can get out of their cars and get downtown easily and efficiently. Um, so the campaign is going to start uh, in earnest uh, very soon. Very soon. Uh, what are your thoughts going into a campaign? I am literally, I have butterflies. I'm so excited um, and really, really anxious just to get going. Uh, I've been working hard on building my team and building sort of um, just myself up as a candidate, uh, which is quite a, quite an experience. Um, coming sort of from behind the scenes and, and being more of a staffer and an organizer on that end, um, to preparing myself to be the face of, of change for my community. It's, it's been an experience, but I'm super excited. I, I really just can't wait to get out and engage with my neighbors, um, to talk to them about their issues and to show them that I'm taking this very seriously and that we have a lot of work to do. I'm ready to do it. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you are running in Toronto Centre, provincially with the NDP. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about uh, Toronto Centre as a riding? Yeah, well, it's the smallest geographic uh, and most densely populated riding in the country, actually. Uh, and it's it's very, very diverse. So, uh, you know, we have uh, historic neighbourhoods in St. Lawrence Market and in Cabbage Town. Uh, we have uh, St. Jamestown, Regent Park, Moss Park, and uh, the village as well, and all of the Bay Young Corridor. So it's there's a lot going on in our riding, a lot of businesses, a lot of people, um, and from a lot of different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. What are some uh, issues that uh, stand out to you as uh, issues facing uh, Toronto Centre? Yeah, I mean, there are, you know, a lot of people are at different places in their lives in Toronto Centre. And so there's a lot of social issues that I think impact a lot of people in different ways. Uh, and it's one of the reasons I'm so excited about the NDP platform, uh, particularly around things like uh, pharmacare and dental care for everyone. Uh, there's a lot of folks in Toronto that, you know, are living at the margins and those kind of really progressive, bold social policies are going to go a lot, a very long way in terms of helping uh, people that are most disadvantaged in our community. Uh, in terms of uh, sort of uh, the growth of the city, as you said, it's, it's very small but very dense. I, I have to imagine uh, a lot of the issues facing it are sort of land use policy uh, oriented. Um, do, you, do you have any thoughts about, uh, you know, the sort of shape that that uh, riding should be taking over time it, it, as, as far as it pertains to provincial policy? Yeah, I mean, I think there are, I think some of the biggest opportunities uh, for growth in Toronto Centre uh, really pertain to housing and specifically affordable housing. Uh, so, you know, we're really good at putting up a lot of condos, but, you know, um, are we necessarily investing at the at the same level in community housing, in affordable housing. Uh, and again, you know, going back to the NDP platform, uh, you know, we've committed significant investments as part of our plan for Toronto community housing, for subsidized housing across the province. Uh, and we know that that's gonna, you know, really help people, really make a difference. I mean, I grew up in this riding and uh, the daughter of a single mom who was going to U of T full time, and I grew up on the wait list for Toronto community housing. She went on that wait list uh, when, when I was nine. And my mom didn't get placed in a unit until after I had graduated university and I was off living on my own. And so I was about 24, 25. Um, kids are growing up on this wait list and, and never getting to take advantage of that service. Um, 
and it's the city is getting so unaffordable and we see that at such a uh, a, a massive scale in Toronto Centre where we're paying the highest prices of rent uh, in the in the entire province and um, in some situations it's it's getting worse than what people are paying in BC as well. I have to imagine uh, anything can happen in politics, <laughs> but uh, I, I feel like in your writing in particular, it's going to be a race between whoever the Liberals run and uh, and yourself. Yeah, well, there's been some significant boundary changes um, that particularly affect the demographics as well. So in, the, in how the boundaries have been redrawn in Toronto Centre, we lose all of Rosedale. So it's, it's um, and we lose part of the waterfront as well. Um, and so that's, you know, going to have a significant impact, uh, you know, on on our numbers on, on the election. I think um, I, I don't meet a lot of Ford supporters in downtown Toronto, to be honest. <laughs> um, but uh, something else I wanted to ask you uh, specifically as pertains to the um, Women Win TO group, uh, how did you get involved? Uh, what, what were some takeaways? Yeah, um, it's been a fantastic experience. I think um, one of the strengths of this group is, you know, I've always said that a group of women together are an unstoppable force. And I've seen that through this, through this group. And uh, all of these women coming together to support each other and hold each other up and share their lived experiences of running campaigns, winning campaigns, losing campaigns, working on campaigns, uh, and to be able to benefit from the, the collective knowledge of all of these brilliant, powerful women is just beyond inspiring. Registration to run in Toronto starts May 1st, and we go to the polls October 22nd. Now, as I mentioned, Spacing just released our new book, 25 Toronto Transit Secrets, the fourth in a book series which includes 50 objects that define Toronto, the Toronto Public Etiquette Guide, and 25 Days That Change Toronto. I was lucky enough to contribute a few stories to this one, and I wanted to take you through one I really enjoyed chasing. It started a few years back, searching for songs about transit on YouTube, as you do, when I stumbled upon this. Now have you heard what's going on in Toronto? They're digging deeper, deeper, deeper every day. So proprietors are raving while they're tearing up the paving. It is nerve-wracking, so they say. And though the noise may be distressing, still construction is progressing, and we can't afford a further delay. So with the help of you and me and the blessed TTC, we'll soon have a real subway. Yes, we're gonna have a subway in Toronto. It is delightfully corny. But I love the way it captured uh, that cheery post-war optimism of Toronto that was truly starting to see itself as a big city problem is, nobody seemed to know much about it. The songwriter Mel Hamill was especially elusive. After checking my usual online sources, asking my favorite local historians, shout out to Jamie Bradburn, and stumping the generally unstumpable librarians at the reference library, I still hadn't shed any light on the man who wrote this perfect little snapshot of a burgeoning city. 
You may find it's aggravating, but be sure it's worth the waiting, for we'll soon have a real subway. It took some desperate Googling, but I finally found a lead. Someone on an Ancestry.com message board said she was looking for information about Amel Hamill of Toronto, a musician, her uncle. I tracked her down, and she and her mother were able to shed a little light on the man behind the subway song. Add to that a major assist from members of the Canadian Antique Phonograph Society, and I had the story. I love this kind of research, and Spacing's new book is chock full of it. It's on shelves now, so go get a copy. Yes, sir. Yes, we're gonna have a subway in Toronto. We gotta get the working man on Prado. So bear the noise with a smile, and in a little while we'll be riding in the new subway. Don't take a streetcar, riding in the new subway. Also on shelves is our latest issue of the magazine, and our cover section tackles nighttime in the city. Our contributor, Christina Petrucci, has written a piece about nightmares. Not nightmares, but a mayor, like a deputy mayor, who oversees the economy and logistics of the city after dark. It's been in the news a lot lately, as the Economic Development Committee recently adopted a report about designated a point of contact, a nightmare, if you will, for city issues between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m., as well as maybe, kind of, possibly extending drinking hours. The issue should be back for discussion in council sometime next year. In the meantime, Spacing's Night issue is on sale now, so go get it. And that is the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please tell your favorite campaign manager, your jazz ensemble, and your after-hours bartender. As always, uh, like, share, subscribe, or rating on iTunes uh, will help us reach new listeners and get us back on those top podcast charts. I make this podcast with Neil Hinchley, who composes our music, and you can find his music on SoundCloud at Track82. That's all spelled out. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or scoops, you can tweet at us at Spacing Radio, that's all one word, or email me at glennbowerman at spacing.ca. That's G-O-Y-N-B-O-W-E-R-M-A-N at spacing.ca. Visit our website at spacing.ca and visit our city store at 401 Richmond Street West in Toronto where you can pick up our latest book and issue. In the meantime, take a look at who registers to run in your ward this year. Learn about them. Maybe take a chance on someone with a fresh perspective and an eagerness to serve. Cheers. Cheers.